Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Okay, but we're back. We are here. Welcome to the Paula Price Show. And, uh, you know, I wanted to say let's just talk where God makes sense because that was the first round of what was what is now taking it on with Paula Price. It was called Let's Just Talk Where God Makes Sense. And that was created because there was a live engagement. We started in a hotel room. And we started in a hotel room small hotel room, okay? You know, we like to start the vision at the big room. But actually, in fact, it was the small room, like the smallest room that could fit the smallest amount of people in the room. And we started Let's Just Talk in the year 2000, upstairs in the little hotel room, we always call it Little Pink Room, in the hotel room, it's like 20 people could fit in the room. And Dr. Price would answer questions. Well, that ultimately grew and grew and grew. Then we had to move downstairs into the larger meeting room. The church had to move downstairs. And then ultimately it went on television. But it was Let's Just Talk Where God Makes Sense, which is where a lot of the audio archives come from that you hear on Dr. Price's website. And I do want to encourage you today, this is really inspired by two conversations that I had yesterday with two non-related people, that you can go to www.drpaulaaprice.com. And if you scroll down to the middle of the page, there's a whole bunch of other links in the middle, and you hit Shop for Products. That's how you get to the e-store. It's not at the top. uh, It's in the middle because of how our uh, online store is set up. And so you go that way, shop for products. You can go to audio downloads. Um, Someone asked me yesterday one of my advisements, how do I not accelerate the process but not waste time in the process of deliverance? And so I told my story of how I would listen to every sermon. I would end up listening to it three times a week because I was editing. So I was there in church on Sunday where it nearly knocked me out. And then I would go back and edit the tape where it knocked me a little less. And then I would go back and listen to it again to make sure what I edited sounded right for people to listen to later. And so usually that was like after I did my homework, late at night in the alcove, Sleep or do something else. I was plugged in to the work. But doing that for years is 
made this difference. And now, still, in the audio, you cannot bypass the process. And I'm going to tell you, one time is not enough. I don't care what level of leadership you're on. My Dr. Price goes back and listens to her own messages. Because she said, oh, that minister is me. Wait a minute. What did I say? Hold on. Because when you are used as a conduit of the Lord, and you are not just crafting your own message, he will use you and speak through you, but then you have to go back so you can talk to you, <laughs> yourself, and help yourself out. And so one time is never enough. We always challenge our congregation to go back more than once, and that's for the leaders as well. And to also go back and listen when you're not distracted. See, there's the discipline, not being distracted in the listening. Even in church, writing notes, taking notes can be a real distraction. You're mad at the last thought, <laughs> thinking about that thought, where to go. You, you don't realize you missed four statements and until you come back around. So having that, what, at least that one time when you were listening undistractedly, undistractedly? Sounds good. Sure. Undistractedly to the Word of God. So today's uh, audio archive is actually from, <laughs> Rachel, let me know, August 1st, 2010. 20, yes, 2010. Nine years ago to the day, so, you know, it was a weekend, nine years ago. <laughs> it was a Thursday. It was a Friday or a Sunday. And she's talking about finding, uh, uh, living up to the God in you. Living up? Living up to the God in you. And kicked off by saying that God wants us to partner with him and not just lean on it. And we have certainly honed in on the lean not into your own understanding but that uh, was not saying, you know, that you can't partner with the Lord. And so she jumped in and then quickly got on the subject of raising your children in a godly home, which is great because on yesterday's broadcast of Possible Future, we talked about that. And she talked about how she raised her kids to believe that, well, as Prophet Tal always says, we just thought Jesus was going to show up because the way my mother talked about him was like, was he in the living room? Is he coming for dinner? Is there a place at the table? <laughs> this man is going to show up. And she said, raising kids in a godly house, um, you make Jesus hard for kids because he's hard for you. Every parent's worst nightmare, their children are asking them questions they can't answer. Because kids will tell you you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, so you don't know nothing, do you? <laughs> You're just answering their questions. The kids at our church sometimes are like, wow, you just said that, huh? That's four. You just said it because that's life as you see it. And you know what? They're not even really wrong most times because they're just so honest. It's like, well, so you don't know? So you don't know about Jesus? You don't know about heaven? So we're so afraid that our kids are going to ask us questions that we can't answer, or we have bought into the doctrine that says God is so deep and he is so hard and who can understand him and who can know the ways of God and things of God. I mean, for sure, this, the, the scripture was just an exercise of futility, the way we teach it. And so she said that, and she said God talks his word. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Uh, she said that getting your children accustomed to a direct line with God. And how kids do whatever you tell them is normal. Whatever's normal in the house is life as they know it. There's no that's deep, that's hard. You have to program children to believe something is hard. You have to uh, convince them that what's going on is weird because it's normal to them. And it 
was normal in our house, it was normal in her house, it was just, <clears throat> we're godly household, we don't apologize. No, your cousins don't live like this. No, your aunt, your uncle may not do this, that, and the other. That has nothing to do with our home. Oh, okay. And don't ask me why not, because it's not going to change anything. <laughs> you know, there's always that response. And so she talked about the importance of doing that with your children and not waiting, she said, until they're in the streets, they run into the gangs and wasted their lives, and, and then you want to get serious and bring them back to God. And then wonder why they don't consider him as an option. It's like, well, you didn't give him to me as an option. She also addressed how God talks his word because that's his language. And see, we don't teach that his word is, is his language. So many things we don't understand. So many things we're confused about. So many things we don't know. And we can be so easily swayed into a different belief system because we don't know his word, so we don't know his language, and we don't recognize what he's talking about. <clears throat> the enemy is always looking to get us to buy into believing that our God's way is the absolute worst, definitely the hardest, with the least amount of payoff possible especially in this world. Because if you notice with Satan, everything is about your payoff in this world. Your riches, your fame, your glory, how many people are following you, chasing you down, how many people have liked your, your Instagram, this, that, and the other. And that, that it can easily become the focus and the center of your approval system on whether you are in the will of God or not. And that's not him because that's not his word. First of all, his word predates social media. However, it does not predate the concepts and the outcomes that they want. Okay, she said that doing things the way God does them in his world. Apostles and prophets are to teach you God's ways because we will be with him in his world longer than will it. the person who lives the 125 on planet Earth is still in a, not even a blink of time compared to how long we will be with God in eternity. And we just think our goal is just to get in. I just want to get in. Woo, the pearly gates. Who's going to, who do you think is going to be at the pearly gates? So we get we want to get in. And we don't have any kind of concept in our mind of what we're going to be doing once we get in. It's a big, big world out there. An invisible land. <laughs> What's going on? Is that we don't see <laughs> And she said that God gets glory through us using his everlasting wisdom to answer society's issues. We're out of the word. We don't have his mind. We don't know his scriptures. So what do we do? And she said this, we go to other gods. This was in 2010. I love going back to these older messages, not just for the wisdom, but prophetically to see the acumen of Dr. Price's mantle then when things when she was accused of just, oh, you're just fussing, and you're just this, and you're just that. And here we are 10, 15, 20 years later with laws being passed to shut us down and legalizing homosexuality and legalizing, pushing to legalize pedophilia and do all these things. Why? Because we did not think that our God had the answers, so we went to other gods. Why do we have yoga in churches? Other gods. Because, hey, we were convinced that our God can't get it done. Holy Spirit just isn't enough. He just isn't. And now he's the comforter. He's the peace. He's all these things. But we need to go to yoga to find peace. Not the Prince of Peace. 
He says, hey, we're not reading our documents anymore. We're not reading our scripture because our scriptures are meant to lock us down to what we cannot do. You can tell the devil, oh my, does he know flesh? The devil knows flesh, and we don't know him. And see, that's the problem. And because we don't know our God, we also don't recognize his enemies. And we don't recognize them as enemies. If you know anybody who's in the military, they tell you that when they're over in those nations and in those lands, how the enemy will use children and babies and all of those emotional, heartstring things to blow you up and to kill you because they don't care that they're babies. They don't care that they're children. They don't care that they're innocent people. Their goal is to take you out and to use the sentiments of your heart and the desires of your cultural thinking to do it. And that's what we are right now. 100%. She said, I'm uh, not doing something. Oh, yeah. Okay, then she shifted gears and started talking about how God can't get anything done because we don't want to do it for him. We want to do it for our job. We want to do it for school. But as soon as he asked, she said, not doing something because it's too hard is giving God's glory to another. See? Exactly. That hurt me a couple times. I said, oh, Oh, Jesus, that's true. So you're going to brag about, I stayed up to get this degree, and, and my job requires this kind of overtime, and I have to do this kind of development, and I have to, and whining, and crying, and complaining. I remember in our early days, at Price University, it is first form, it fell to everlasting life, Bible Prophet Institute. Dr. Price said, whatever you anoint this homework with is what's going to meet you every time you sit down to do it. Every time. I said, oh. She said, so you anoint this with this too hard? It's going to be too hard every time you sit down to do it. You anoint it with irritation and frustration. I can't believe it takes, takes this much work to get this done. Every time you touch it, that's what's going to meet you because that's the anointing that you put on it. And then when we read it, we see it. That has not changed. And you know what? That's true. Because I'm grading my students' homework. I know who was in it, who loved it. I can tell who was just trying to get it done, who forgot about it, who was irritated about it. Why do I have to do this again? All of those things translate. They show up because we are agents of the spirit and the flesh. And so you can tell the ones who just, I mean, they're all in. Oh, yeah, you had a good time with this assignment, didn't you? I can tell. All bleary eyes and you turned it in, but you didn't even care. You just loved it because it was your honor to do it before God. You were happy that he chose you, whatever. And and so she said that all those years ago. And I thought, mm. you know, in that season I was learning the reality of that statement. <laughs> because, you know, once you hear it, then you have to begin to rewrite and recode and destroy your own wicked sentiments that have sabotaged your life every step of the way, especially in the things of God. This is why people can be rock stars in their non-ecclesial career, and then when it comes to the things of God, they can't ever finish. There are people who never finish their training in God because they bought 100% into the belief system that it shouldn't take all of this, and I don't have to give all of this, and then you start convincing yourself maybe it's okay if I don't do this because hey, I wasn't doing this before. I met Dr. Price. I mean, I'm telling you, this machine kicks in 
whatever whatever fuel you give it, that's the one that talks back to you. Because when you do anoint it with this is what I was born to do and I'm going to be the best at it as humanly possible and then supernaturally possible, woo, your mind opens up, revelation is flowing, you see things you never saw before. You, you can tell when you anoint it with, with the wrong thing, God Christ, because you can't stand here in that one student who always gets the revelation. Like, shut up. <laughs> Why you always have something to say in class? How come you always raise and join and see? That's when you know you're staying in the spirit and you're just wrong. You're just wrong because with somebody who's all in and getting it right, it drives you nuts. It skews you. Oh, yeah, and then they just a show off. And then they're just a teacher's pet. And then we're going to throw them under the bus and we're going to label them and blackball them in the classroom. <laughs> you do all those things because you want to be over. <laughs> you know, that's how it sounds in Christendom. Well, I guess I just don't have that kind of anointing. Well, I guess I just don't see things the way you do. You know, we backpedal all kinds of excuses because we don't. I'm telling you who I used to be, all right? This is who I used to be. Like, really? Oh, okay. Because you only want to sit down for 15 minutes and not two hours on one assignment. Paragraph one. And Dr. Price is gone. <laughs> okay? And so that reel begins to go to talk you out of your purpose, to talk you out of your destiny. You get so locked in to the hardness of it that isn't really that hard. And to this because it is fighting all those things in your flesh that want to keep you out of God's will. Want to keep you out of his mind. You want to Satan wants to keep you out of his business. Because the people that we graduate are a problem for darkness. You better understand. And so she said that we are proud about pressing for the job by giving us excuses about being at Sunday school at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> this was nine years ago. Or was it last week? <laughs> okay. She said, oh, yeah, you won't press. If that job tells you you have to be on the line at 6 a.m., you're going to be on the line. She said, you bragging because you've had 45 cups of coffee. You can hardly talk straight because you're so amped up on caffeine. All the things that you're doing for your job, you ain't knowing. Because I was out late every night. And then we had the sports league, and that had to be in that. And we're like, can you do these three things? Y'all, everything is just so busy. Don't ask, don't ask me after you're married and it's not 
working? Did I marry the wrong person? No, you set the wedding date, and they want me to come and say this is the person that God gave you. After you got the ring. You got the ring, you got cake all on the line, and cake on the line. Cake on the line, everything else. Look, I'm saying this because we have seen it. Time and time and I just put the, well, I don't, somebody told me, I, I, I don't know the protocol, the protocol. The protocol, you mean the protocol, you that's the protocol, you want to know what guard by? What house to buy? Where to send your kids to school? Where to go on vacation? Stop that. Well, don't deceive yourself, okay? So, anyway, we talked about how we will press for the things of gold. And we're proud of it. We're proud of pressing for things in the world. Proud, proud, proud. And then we, we form a clique and a crew in the church whenever it's one too many things that you're willing to give up for a God that you say you owe everything to and praise and worship. Give myself away. Give my my free time. Take nothing, Lord. Don't take my time. Don't take my money or my mind. And so we just run it down. We don't want to know. We give nothing to God but excuses. Jesus. She said, you have endurance until it comes to Jesus. Drive cross country three times with a 30-minute nap in between each round. And looking at your clock on Sunday like, how long is church going to be? With your malnourished spirit and soul. Okay? I need you to eat everything that's on the table on today. Everything that God places in front of you. All of a sudden, whenever the Lord starts answering prayers and doing those things, what he's asking is too much. Because when you are See, it's easy to say you're hungry when you're starving. But when you're full and you know the refrigerator's full and the pantry is full, spiritually speaking, all of a sudden, oh, I'm just going to eat out today. Well, I'm going to do something else. Well, I'm not going to come home. It's like when you know home is always there, it's the last place you want to be. But when something happens, all of a sudden, home is, you just, you know, those, and that's how we do God. And that's how we do his things. But we have to do better. We have to do better, but we can't until we understand how this scheme of the enemy works. Because it's never about us. It is always about sabotaging what the Lord wants. It's always about discrediting him. It's always about destroying him and holding back the kingdom. I am reading Lamentations right now. Lamentations. Who reads that? Exactly. Who reads Lamentations? Isn't that five chapters? Five of the most painful. Why? Because it is a commentary on sin. I challenge everybody to go read Lamentations. I, I dare you <laughs> to do it because it is the account of how God judged and why he was right for doing it. And that's what we don't want to believe when he has to move in on us and why he's right. But, again, that's the campaign because if you respect the Lord and understand what he's doing, you're going to get in that word and read the, the, uh, you know, the ones that are not the top ten books. Go, go and read those other books that we have classified as boring, non-essential, or too hard to understand. Those are the ones that, to me, give you so much insight into who the Lord really is. You know, Isaiah, that's a long book. You know, that's a prophet's book. So if you're not a prophet, you really don't need to read Isaiah. <laughs> I mean, 66 chapters is a lot. You know, Jer- well, you know, Jeremiah was a crying prophet, so the joy of the Lord is my strength, so you don't need Jeremiah because he's my joy is unspeakable. And so I don't want to carry that burden. I want to take on that 
shame. But you know, I'm all wound up today. And you class, it's your lessons, Dr. Price. Your lessons just stir me up. They get me all worked up. And well, then I start talking to myself. Well, I don't think we have anybody. Oh, you get your button. Oh, I, I have to hit a button. Uh, just hit it lightly. Oh, I don't think anyone who has been in my ministry has been more saturated in my teaching than you because, well, you had to make it work. You're the one who decided, well, we need to have cassettes. Why don't we have cassettes? Everybody else is like, well, we heard her on Sunday. Yeah, but you didn't get to that. And so I think as long as we've been in this thing, she's always been having to do something. You know, like I'm waiting for those CDs. Shay, I'm on the corner on that girl.
to get to somebody. Now we we need five nanoseconds. Yeah. And it's this. You know, I look on my phone, I send my staff a message and it says delivered. But I just said period. <laughs> so present truth is for the present generation. It is not a different truth. It's a differently applied truth. It's applied to man's progress, to humanity's advancement, to our generation of the, I mean, my, I always cracked up when I try to tell my generation, my, my daughters, when they were coming up about, blow, you know, blow dryers and pen and oven and can on trying to, come on, somebody. But today, they're like, what? I mean, you barely see a, a, a straightening cone. Flat iron, we never saw flat iron. Flat iron is what we use on our shirts, not our heads. But present truth, somebody um, spoke to me about that, and, and they've always, you know, we've always wanted to deal with that thorny question of present truth. Isn't that right? Like, present, does that mean God has a past truth? No. Humanity has a past truth. God has an omnipotent truth. You know, I like this class I got over here. You know, folks in the job were sneaking in here in class, man, I'm telling you. And they come. They got the pins going on here. They got laptops and stuff. They ready. But present truth. So present truth is the, is the eternal truths of God applied contemporaneously in the present generation, in present age and era. Why? Because God wants to let us know that his word is eternal. And how can he let us know that his word is eternal if he's, if what he wrote in the past has no application in the present? That's what the problem is. That's why Satan's taking out the church. He keeps telling you about how outdated the scriptures are and, you know, how the Bible is, is, is written by man who men who died and all of that, like, that, like what they wrote is going, come on. Writing is important because it doesn't die as long as there's a reason. And so present truth, so Satan knows that. So what does he What does he do? He begins to minimize God's readers. So scripture, you know, is not, is, is, this is not it. A lot of these modern translations will never test present truth. There is a reason why God, hear me, um, I, I'm telling you this is very important. There is a reason why the Lord stopped the Chronicles in the age that he did. I mean, wouldn't he know the Holy Spirit is here forever? Wouldn't he know? But there had been, there was a stealing of the revelation. We know God steals revelation because Daniel took it. He said, you know, Daniel got all this deep stuff and the angel said, now seal it up. John the Apostle got all of this deep revelation, and God was saying, right, 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 until he got to the trumpet. I'm sorry, not the trumpet, excuse me, the thunders. He said, don't write what the seven thunders said. So like Jesus, you know, Jesus was on the, out in the wilderness teaching people. He was up on the mountain, and God thundered. Yes. Now, to us, thunder is noise, but to eternal preachers, Thunder is communication. So Jesus is up there on the mountain, and he's mountain, and he's preaching. All of a sudden, his father decides to let everybody know. You know how special folks sleep, people doubt, and whatnot. So he sends a clap of thunder. And the thunder says, somebody said, wow, it's thunder. But someone else said it was a word. It was a message. 
And Jesus said, listen, he did not have to do that for me, but he did it for you all because you all aren't listening to me and it's going to cost you. So there are times that God will do things that make no sense to the natural mind because the natural mind perceives not the things of the Spirit of God. Receives not. Can't tolerate, can't even discern it. Judas, we talked about Judas on Sunday. Judas is with this man, like, except on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's pretty much with the cross all the way through. And he's living. He's seeing it. He's not only seeing Jesus' public miracle, he's also witnessing and experiencing the private tutorials that they had alone. Because the Bible says, when they were alone, Jesus told them all things. Why would he tell them all things? Because he's leaving and they have to keep it going. Clearly, Judas did not care about keeping it going. He cared about the cash box. He cared about money. He cared about business. So, no matter how many devils Jesus cast out and sent Judas, Judas cast out his own relatives. Come on. And so, no matter how many devils Judas cast out, no matter how many of the spirits, no matter how many healings are cleansing, it never stopped him from thinking evil of his maker, of the Messiah, which is why he went to turn him in. Because if you are not one of those who were in Christ before the foundation of the world, what we do, who we are, how we live is nonsense. Except, there's an exception, except is if your day of salvation is later down the road, later in your life. But until then, you're no different than the people who were not there. We are sent into Christ because we were built of Christ's spirit. And we, we had Christ's spirit before he or we came to earth. So we are sensitive to God. We recognize each other. We discern each other. And so now getting on to what I want to discuss today is, you know, today, testing out of God's excellence. You know, I am in the middle of writing a book on a prophetic assessment. And it's very important that we understand that because the, the church heretofore assessed everything by anointing, by money, as she was saying, by feedback, by following, and by numbers. So it's test, it's a segment criteria could not be tested. It can only be respected. But how do you test an anointing? Because an anointing is liquid, it's fluid. It's a congealing. You put it in a container, then you can test it if you could. But if you're putting it in a body, how do you test an anointing? What criteria do you use for approval? Many of you are in bad churches right now because you followed an anointing, and probably a singular anointing, which means you had that emotion one time and you've been trying to recapture that moment. But the person that carried that anointing was used and already used up that portion of the anointing. So we, how does God do business? I mean, the big argument today is the Bible. And when I was reading, I read some of, some, uh, there's a, a guy that wrote a Christian Hebrew study thing and whatever, and I've been reading it, and I, you know, I, I, I 
I've been at this so long. It didn't take long for me to realize. I said, okay, so you're in mysticism. And sure enough, he started talking about how he drew stuff from the Kabbalah. You know, y'all Christians, it's all in the Kabbalah. It didn't help them. Okay? See, and so that's mysticism. God has mysteries. Okay? God's mysterious. He's not mythical. But if you don't study words, you can't know that. So I'm reading this guy's stuff, and I mean, there's some elements in it. I'm, you can tell how I'm impressed I am about it. I'm not giving you title. Don't waste your time swimming in that swamp. I give you titles of things that bear witness. Well, where am I getting that witness from? Well, you know, we have the unction of the Holy Spirit, and we have our witness in our spirit. Half of you all have never heard from your spirit. It's like a little dormant character struggling to stay alive under all of the weight of that soul corruption. It's not being fed. It's not being nurtured or developed. You don't think your spirit is real, which is why you don't think about it. Now, I know we have Sister Oprah talking about remember your spirit. I'm not talking about the spirit of the fallen God. That's what she's talking about. you got to get acquainted with the God that earned the, the genetics of your line because that's the spirit that you are coping with and dealing with. Remember, I keep telling you, God separated us and kept one, just one nation. One nation means one nationality. One nation means one nature. One nature. Oh, somebody, I got to get something. Oh, that's good. Since you're not sitting there, I'll be snapping. Yeah. Y'all. Hallelujah. He kept one nature. Come on, somebody. Hear what I'm saying. One nature. Seventy nations back in time, which is what we always talk about the table of nations. Seventy nations. God only wanted one. But then he's the same God that said, I can rule the world on the time. I can say 90%. He can't make a success. Wow. I rule the whole planet on, on 10%. 10. Because when you're the producer, you are the generator of the hundred. You know, you can make that 10 operate like 90. Because you just fish, you need a fish and load God. You know, God fish and load this money. So, one nation, one nature, listen to me, one gene, one genome, one, just one. One physiological maker, one pneumatological maker. I'm telling you, God kept one, and the only reason he had that one is because the first thing he created was Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God, and the Word became God's light and life. So God passes life on through Jesus Christ. What light? The light that predates this creation. I don't care how old they say a galaxy might be, and they have some astronomical numbers, you know, because, well, we're they know. But God has and has, has always had a planet, but not just a planet, a realm that is uniquely him and uniquely it. 
that no other, that literally inspired every other realm, but had hard defining distinctions between the God realm of the Almighty and the God realm of fallen beings, fallen nature. Think about that. God literally, this man is so certified good. God has, the Godhead's realm of existence embodies the Godhead. And its creation is their makeup. And for lack of a better term, their physiological anatomical self. Now, the Godhead is one. You know, the Lord your God is one. He's not three people, although Jesus kind of peopled it up. <laughs> yeah, he peopled up the God his realm. But the reason that this is important is that you need to understand that heaven is God's realm. But heaven is another place in God's being, God's very existence. And the reason it is heaven is because if, if, if everything going toward it has to be eased up, you lift up your sacrifices. You lift up because it's above all else, and it is the essence, the formulaic essence of everything that God brought out of his being to give an independent or a distinct existence. Because God just keeps summing his existence. So he, you know, you know, the, you know how he has Sometimes it's substitute, sometimes it's submission, sometimes it's subjection. But you know how we say the subdata and the subword and the subject, we are God's under existence. And so in God's realm, there's a set of rules and laws because it's worked. The Godhead's realm works. And it works because, well, it's lived through everything. God, the Almighty, has lived through everything his creature, anything that comes from him can do can pervert, can produce, can distort. He lived it. He lived it. He knew it. But, you know, we don't know ourselves. Can you imagine that when, when we get into God's realm, we will know every one of our trillions and trillions of cells and what they do and why they exist, and we will know it from the inside out because the dead soul is gone. See, God's soul isn't dead. So he has a very clear view of what's going on this turning red up, this not something. Very clear view. And he knows how in him is a cell, but when he breathes it out of him, when he gave the breath of life or whatever he does, the Bible says he sends forth his spirit and something's created. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Huh. See, you have to know God for him to share that. So and when God sends forth his spirit, it, it's created. Job said if God, and I've used this passage over and over again, I will use it again, because it's, I think it's the first passage that ever, ever broke my, my broke through in my brain and my mind on the Almighty and on his almightiness. So Job says, but if God sets his mind to it, if he gathers his spirit and draws his breath, all flesh will perish together. That's a, now that's a statement on creation. All flesh will perish together. So we all drop at the same time. He just does a deep inhale, and we all drop at the same time. And it said a man 
This is so powerful. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. This is so powerful. And man will return to the village. Oh, see, they don't hear. You don't hear. Wow. Is that a powerful step that he would set his mind to it? And I mean, I mean, think about it. The goodness of God is that his mind on us is good. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man? Did you even consider us? Acknowledge us. You are, you are almighty God. You had a successful ground. You have a whole success. It was a success before you said, let's make the earth. You, your wisdom was established. God already had a winning team, a winning planet. He had already dealt with the church. He had already cast Lucifer and his army out. He had already, and he let that thing ride long enough for him to see every possibility and to register. Not just for himself, because remember, he can see himself. No, for those who are judging him. He said that you may be vindicated when you are judged. (laughs) See, learning God is the most important thing a Christian can do. Other religions teach you to learn God. God, invisible beings, you can't see, you can't, I mean, you know, you've got one priest or a, a, a priestly step, you can't see, you can't understand, you are brought under the slavery, often abusive, immortal slavery, but not a, and you got to figure out, figure them out from whatever, don't worry about it, the people know the Holy Ghost, let a Christian with the Holy Ghost show up, devil's going to tell you where Jesus is, they tell you. Because they don't want him exercising his sovereignty in their world, in their realm. So they don't want you there, which is why they're trying to get you out of this world, because they think this is their world. You see, Jesus wanted fair and square. He wanted, it was a concept, and he wanted. But now they can't fix that. So what do they do? They convince you not to want him and to believe that the world is not under Jesus' control. And they use little arguments like, um, well, if God's a good God, why do people die? Because people aren't good enough to live. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> the word God made man upright, according to Ecclesiastes, and man invented many schemes. So man's living by a scheme. There's a way that a seems right to a man. A man will make up his purposes, but it's the counsel of the Lord that will stand. So humanity problem is a death issue has absolutely nothing to do with God. I mean, why won't you all stop wars? Why do you spend billions of dollars to send somebody in space and sit there and have a hungry population that can't have to, that's got to sleep on the street? See, that's not a good thing. Or at least it's not a God thing. It may be a good thing. And you're sitting there looking to find a home in, in, the, in space and you haven't done well with the one you have here. So you want to have a celestial existence when you haven't perfected your terracotta issue, your terrestrial issue. So you want to take that. We want to, we want to take this. That's what, that's what Lucifer did. That's what those planets are dead. But you have to know your God. Those who know their God will be strong. Gabriel said to, to Daniel, those who, those who teach people God's righteousness will shine like the stars. You don't inherit the celestial realm because you want to, because you made metal out of a doomed planet with doomed material. 
after God's righteousness. I told you in another broadcast, a previous broadcast, I told you that righteousness really speaks to wiseness, knowing the wisdom of the creator, method, standard, etc. So it's wiseness. So we, when you, you know, he who wins souls is wise. So wisdom, what did God say? The wisdom is what the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. These people's wisdom is flawed because they don't fear God. There has to be this statement for you to, to think about and to meditate on and to, you know, consume, uh, consider how this thing works. I don't need yoga, and I was in it, you know, but, you know, thank God for Jesus Christ, and I want you to know the devils that were helping me in yoga literally tried to beat my head in. They, they fought to stay home because devils don't like to be homeless. Humans are more comfortable with being homeless than devils. <laughs> devils can't stand to be homeless. If you remember... They were in water. They don't like deserts. There was no desert when they were when God said, "Let there be." Devils were in water. Pigs went to the water. The flood drowned them in water. They need the fluidity of the human body, which is what, 70% water or something like that? See, this is an intelligent class. I told my church all the time, I would not have a dumb church. Y'all going to defend this gospel. And y'all going to defend this, the king of this gospel. Y'all going to tell folks. So devils can't handle being dispossessed because it's dry. And dry means that they are open to the air. That's why if they can't be in a human, they're going to get into a creature. Because their physiological makeup, being now devoid of God's life, life-giving power, their physiological makeup cannot tolerate not being in water. Ideally, human. They need fluid. That's what all those libations the camera is trying to do. That's a whole other class when we start talking about witchcraft from the mind of Christ. So you, but you, you think you know. You, you, you're standing there and let anybody give you a little tidbit of information. But based on nothing. Well, why are you doing this, Dr. Price? Because it's all in Scripture and it's been there. It's been in Scripture all this time. But nobody put wisdom to the Word. They put works to the world. We will work the works of God, really. Do you know what those are? So you have no idea, no idea what the works of God look like. But you have discounted him as the supreme being, as the sovereign sovereign, based on somebody else's blind substitution of the wisdom of this world, received from fallen devils. That's why the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. 
you know, we, we looked at it. I was watching the show last night, and they were talking about cloning, because, you know, they try to clone and uh, all of that. And, you know, I, I love a superior being who makes sure he wins. I love that Jesus has changed this thing about. We can go as far out into space as we want. God lets them, just like he lets them build the Tower of Babel until he, until he knew they reached their feet. Because he knew they could break through. But if they broke through, he'd have to kill them. Hmm. It never dawned on them that he did that. that they're scattering the language for salvation. That was grace and mercy. So that they went off building, and he broke that, that mental, and he broke that, that neurological and physiological bond that made them one. And he did it by, we think, well, you know, he just confused their language. What word confused me, adding to, adding something that fuses with that which is con with fusion. So he confused their language. And he confused their language in so, so many ways that it's just not funny because it wasn't just language doesn't just come from sound. Language comes from thoughts, which means he changed their capacity to think. Thought comes from their mind. Mind comes from soul. Soul comes from spirit. So since that the fallen angels had begun to occupy and reproduce in their spirit. He wanted to cut Satan off from his communications channels and his communications network and his access. So what did he do? He did it because in our word, everything is material. We think it's all material. In God's word, everything is biophysical and anatomical. Different words. Different world. When God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, we have no clue what that's like. We got all of these arguments about, well, you know, if you made us in his image and likeness, well, what does that look like? It looks like, it looks like minus mortality. It looks like impossible to die. It is deathlessness. Because the last enemy is death. It is defective free. Not based on our standard, because we've never seen. And one perfect man we got, we killed him and sent him home. So the humanity that we're dealing with now is not what God made. It is what Satan seized and distorted, deteriorated. We die because he won, because he beat our enemy. So God kept one seed. Every other sperm Adam had, God let him have, Satan had, every other one. The sperm of all those 69, he let him have it. But the one that would produce the flesh of Jacob, that would give him Israel, that would give him the eternal church that was in Christ before the foundation of the world. Because Paul even said, not all the Israel, Israel is the same. They don't all believe. But those who have come from Abraham's faith and maintained it, that gene- Abraham's faith is a genetic thing. That's why you get some children, you got multiple kids, you have some kids that can believe God, they just eat them up, they do everything, and you get that other kid that can't stand it, and as soon as they're finished, they're done, just like Judas. When class was out, Judas sold Jesus out. 
and let us know that no matter how genuine Jesus was, no matter how uh, uh, how unbiased he was, he was never biased. That's why the other guys never knew who the problem was until they're sitting at the table in John 13, and he's going to have a community. He said, well, one of y'all are going to betray me, right? We all love you. Judas was a good thinker. He was a good masquerader. He was a great imposter. Because nobody saw beneath his facade but his maker. Oh, come on. It was good. You know, you look at some of these people, the reason I keep bringing Judas up is just like those apostles didn't discern Judas, you don't discern the, the, the opposers and adversaries in your midst either. You can't discern it. And that's why we need assessment. And that's why you need the scripture. Because you will sit there and bring home a devil, put him up in your house, feed him well, give him half of your goods, etc. Kind of like what Hezekiah did with the Babylonians. You will just share everything with them. And then you're stunned that they were, that they betrayed you. One of the reasons that, that we're going to have a major clean out of the church is because it's going to fulfill the Apostle John's word. He said he left us so it might be seen that they were not of us. Yeah. That they were never of you. I hope you're hearing me today. This is not a hype, hype, hype. This is really telling you why you're losing this fight. And why Jesus is going to take over. You have people talking about, well, you know, the church is gone. And it's not. No, it's not. I'm telling you right now. And Satan has told that to many generations. And guess what? We're still here. And he's still trying to convince the next generation. <laughs> he's told that to many generations. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, the day of the church is over. How many times has that been on the devil's newswire? Guess what? The church of Jesus Christ is dying. Yeah, right. I've been saying that right forever. And the problem being that if Satan keeps you out of touch with the Holy Spirit and causes you to disbelieve the Holy Spirit as the, as the third member of the Godhead and also as the protector and guardian and signal of the Ecclesia, then you will, you'll bow out. But that won't stop God. God is still half baked. You understand, people get pregnant whether they want to or not. <laughs> and God doesn't have mortal babies. God has eternal babies, eternal kids. Your babes in Christ. Christ can't die now. Ever. Satan can't kill him again. He had a major shock. I mean, he had a real shock. Hell was a black shock, though. He had a major shock. First shot is in Ezra, Revelation 12. Second shot, crucifixion. Third shot, in hell. It's over. One for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Ghost. He had three shots. To kill this man, and Jesus is still the comeback king. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. In heaven, he fought him, he fought him as the Messiah, Christ, literally Christ. So he was Christ in heaven. Jesus, I mean, we got a lot of Christ here, but Jesus beat Satan as Christ in heaven, which is why everybody got it. He comes to earth as the Messiah. Because now he's taking on Israel's form, and so he's coming to us as the Messiah, a Mashiach, depending on how y'all want to do it. Some folks like to use all of those um, Old Testament terms. Hey, God bless you. Have at it. As long as you take care of Jesus, I will, I will burn with you. So he kills him on the cross. Now, 
God defeated him in heaven, which is why the battle had to come to earth. Because he had already been shut out in heaven. God took his classification, took his team, took his code, and he did it by gunning. The book of Ezekiel says that God gutted him to make him mortal. He gutted him by taking his eternal, his deathless, and his superior apparatus, organs, out of his body, or the, the power therefrom, the blood flow that they used, took that. And when he did, everything about him died. And that's why he fell from heaven. He said, I saw Satan fall as lightning. That means that before the church, before Israel, any angel that did not follow Satan's regime could hurt him. So then, so this is, he come, they, they bring the battle to earth. You know, I got a book that tells you about it. God gave me a dream recently and said, this book is about to take off. I don't know how, but I know what it is. And just the glory and the regarding that is due before the garden. So they bring the battle to earth. Well, why is the battle to earth? Because Satan can't get back in heaven. That's why they have all of these Star Wars and things. What is that? That's him telling the story. Him telling the story his way. So he can't get back into God's world. God keyed him out, coded him out, gutted him out. So now he's on earth. So you all, you all keep following them. Y'all, y'all with your little tattoos, your little piercings, your little other godly this and other godly that, idolatry this and that, and you have no idea that you are trading down. Wow. There was a heavyweight bound, and the holder of the title and the belt is being traded down, is being traded for the loser. I'll keep saying it because it's true. So he gets there to earth, and now he gets to Jesus. Is like, okay, you want me to? You want me to make myself like you? You want me to make myself mortal? Which is hard for the God is, because well, God's the eternal Spirit of life. So they came up with a plan to give Satan a shot at the Messiah again, and they literally. Fused him with the mortal woman so he could be killed. So the fight could be a little more even. So they fused him with this mortal woman. And I've said it dozens of times. The minute the sperm of God, the Son of God, entered Mary's head, Jesus died. It was inevitable that he would be on the cross because he could not get back home. Because you must be born again. And he knew, he was telling us all the way how he was going to get back home. So he gets here, and he lets him do everything he wants to do to him. Everything. Anything Satan dreamed that he could do to wipe out his maker, to brutalize his maker, to literally bludgeon him, to, to batter him, he did it. And Jesus let him. Because he said, the weaknesses of God is stronger than man. I got to get something. It is. It just needs to be. And he wanted to prove that. 
that the weakness of God, God in his weakest state, is stronger than man and stronger than death. So they beat him, and they did all they needed to do. See, we don't talk about it. Y'all let them tear Christmas. You let them get this little fat nose, red nose, red thing, power over He has nothing to do with it. Chris Kringle, what? And you let him define this man's masterful stroke of genocide. So he goes. They put Jesus' body in the tomb. And Jesus is in hell. Where's the battle is again? All right, so I, I, I beat you with my crown. I beat you without my crown in mortal flesh. Now I'm going to beat you with my soul. So now he said, disembodied, I'm still going to be. My soul, my spirit went to heaven. I'm going to be you with a dead and corrupt soul. Doomed to die, locked in your realm where you have the key. And when I leave, you will no longer have the key. Because that's what it was all about. The key to what? They never had the key to life. The key of life came to hell. Did Peter said, but they killed the prince of life. You got life in hell, and you can't give hell your life. See, this is the gospel. If your if your pastors are telling you to read, to read the gospel, then listen to this because this is the gospel. And I didn't pull it from just four writings. Come on, yeah. I pulled it from the 66 book, and then I pulled it from whatever the terminology meant, and then I pulled it from whatever other works God put in my hands, and there are a few commentaries and whatever. But the, the, but the story is real. This man is in hell, and Satan can't kill him again. And so what happens to Jesus in hell? He gets born to death. The scripture says he's firstborn over creation. Did it not say that? And then it says he's the firstborn from the dead. So you can't tell me about sprinkling some water on your forehead and making you ready for crime. It's not going to happen. Dipping it, we can baptize you in, in physical water all day long. It will not summon your new creation spirit. So Jesus gets born again. And it says he's born again in the heart of the earth. Now we're not talking about this physiological earth. Right. See the terracotta, that physical part of earth, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the, the spherical planet that God has killed to stop Satan's regime. See, we think earth is in dirt. No, the body's in dirt. But the earth is a black realm, dark realm, out of orbit from the almighty's life, which is why we got to be raptured and born. You see how that goes. So Jesus is in hell, and he's 
you know, now remember, his soul is battered and bruised, and it's weakened because God put every sin, every lie, every curse, every failure, every flaw, everything a human can do, everything a devil can do was put on us. I know y'all didn't think so, but the Bible said that he reconciled what was in heaven and on earth. Ephesians 3, 10 talks about the principalities and powers of heaven's places. So obviously it was about more than humanity. So he's in hell. And he is in hell. I mean, he is a wreck. However the human soul looks, his is bloated, is disgusted, is everything, all the sin. And he had to. That was the only way to get it out of. Oh, I love this thing. To get it out, get its dominance out of this world into where it began and originated. Actually, it originated in heaven. Because, you know, we think hell came into being with church, but that's not true. The reason hell's eternal is because it was born in eternity like everything else. Mm -hmm. So he's there, and he suddenly, he gets born again. Now, how do you get born again? According to Ezekiel, because Jesus talked about it, so he clearly knew, but he, cause he, he's literally dramatizing it, you know, to become the model, the first example. And so he said that God has to give you a new spirit. So the spirit that was that Jesus sent back home didn't go to heaven. And it couldn't go to hell because it contained all of us. The whole trip would be worth nothing. So he said, but God will give you a, a new spirit, and he'll give you a new heart, and then he'll give you the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Ghost rejoins Jesus to the Godhead. That's the plan. So Jesus is in hell, and, and he spent his three days and three nights for whatever he needed to do because he had to preach to God. The Bible tells us what he did. Y'all, y'all need to read it. The Bible says, <laughs> Bible says he preached the gospel to the eight souls from the flood. They were in hell. Now, you know good and well, Adam and Eve was in hell, and God looked over and said, no. So he had to preach that. He had to preach the, the gospel to those that were us, uh, to the children of Abraham, because the Bible said he had to go and empty out Abraham's bosom. So, and he had to preach the gospel that Abraham heard when he was on the plane, which is Galatians 3 8. See, Galatians 3 8 says God preached the gospel to Abraham when there was no gospel as far as we knew. God had to preach to know the righteous. Jesus had to say, You can come out. You're coming home, coming home, coming home, coming home. So he's got to deal with them. He's got to deal with all of those who believe Noah, which was his family. And probably half of them did, but we went off. <laughs> then he had to preach Abraham's faith, the faith that made Abraham the heir of the world. And he had to preach that. So we got righteousness and we got faith. And then we go on down, and he's got to preach to all of those who died under the law of Moses, because that was the keeper. So everybody who died, and they were in Abraham's bosom. 
Isn't that powerful? See, this is your this is your heritage. You're so busy listening to Satan's heritage from the Avengers and from the Captain America and from the Guardians of the Universe. How do you how are y'all gonna guard the universe all along? <laughs> y'all lost it. The true guardians are keeping it going for us. Because it needs God needs that gap between this realm and us. He needs that gap. And he got a whole lot of angels and whatnot and creatures that are monitoring that and surveilling it and guarding it. So he did that. So Jesus preached the gospel to them. And then he said, okay, all of those who had faith in what his soul preached, come on. Because he wasn't talking from the body, it's up there. He wasn't talking from the spirit because it's higher than. So he's talking from his soul, which is why your soul's state of existence is critical to the afterlife. And the only way to, to sever your spirit from your soul is for you to get a brand new spirit. Otherwise, the spirit of your father, the spirit of your mother's father on down the line stays fused with your soul and it can't change your soul because it's already dead. So he preaches all of that and all of these people get born again with him in hell. First them and then everybody that he preached to. So the gospel works in heaven, earth, and hell. Y'all all right? No. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible said it pleased God that through Jesus he would reconcile all things in heaven and on earth and everywhere in creation. He said he pleased it. So the gospel be God. So you can't talk about, well, you know, God just knows my heart. God can care less about the heart. He's looking at the soul and the spirit. Those people were born again in hell. Left hell as a new creature in Christ Jesus. We have a powerful heritage that needs to be preached. And it needs to be taught. Because no matter how much you hear what I'm saying, when you go to try to say it yourself, it doesn't work. Because <laughs> it's not coming from the same logic stream. But we need to repeat. So he goes, and he once he, once he goes there, because you know, he's got to convert Abraham. And he's got to convert Noah. Y'all still hearing this, right? So he's got to convert all of those who died in faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is about. He's telling you all those people he converted to hell. We look at it as faith for you to get stuck. We got it faith for you to snatch and take, you know, shake and bake. And, and, and it's not that. It's faith for you to pass from death to life, that you become members of the Godhead, offspring of the Lord Almighty. And because of that, you are elevated 
into a, the realm of kingship or royalty that exercises authority over all of God's hands, over the works of all God's hands. So he's there, and then Jesus, he brings everybody out, and you know it works because that's why, and I maybe try to take this out, but I can't take it out because it's talking about all the saints that got us out of the grave. Those are Old Testament saints. who believe in the author of the scripture and the prophet that describes. Y'all still loving on? So then what else does he say? Oh, by the way, you have you were able to kill these people illegitimately, illegally, because you have the key codes of death. Because that's what he ended up with. Because nobody asked, how did they get to hell? How did the, code, the key to hell and death get to hell? But God had to send them to reinforce the law of sin and death because he had already cursed the brother. Okay, we'll handle that in another one. So Jesus rises and he, and, and, and he takes back to his realm, to his father's realm, the key to hell and death. Have you ever sat down and had a talk about how did they get there? How did Satan get the key to hell and death? Isn't that powerful? That is why God said, don't be concerned about him who can kill the body. Be concerned about him who can destroy. See, up until Jesus they were not destroyed. They were confined. But afterwards, so that after, so he empties out Abraham's bosom, where everybody who died in faith went, who should have been dead, but they died in faith. And here's the big deal, which is why you can talk all day long about God won't send you. No, no, think about it. Because Abraham could not get out of hell. He, God had to keep this whole paradise, paradise section of hell for his people, for the soul that died in faith with him, like Abraham. And he had to do that because their souls were not changed and their spirits were dead. And so while he's preaching, and he let's think about Jesus. He's not just fit the cup with devils. He's sitting there. He said, but this is the gospel. This is what uh, Noah said. Noah, no, where are you? Yeah, see that message of righteousness of the Lord is coming with 10,000 of his saints, and we just think he was just coming to earth. He ended up showing up in hell. Who thought that? Noah, the reason that you built that ark has been justified. I've completed it. Come out. I'm giving you a new body. I'm giving you a new soul. I'm giving you a new spirit. You have to actually book. In hell, the new creation was born in hell. In the fires of hell, the fiery furnace of hell, God begot Jesus again to get him home. Because if he didn't get him again, he would have lost his son forever under the righteous judgment that he put on him as a sacrifice for human sin. 
See, they can't convince me. They, uh-uh, you can't, no, 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 no. No, you can't convince me. The new creation was born in hell. The new creatures from the, from the, the garden, the outside, the garden of Abel, you know, all of them were there, but they were not in the fiery flame, as the story of Lazarus and a rich man tells us. They were in Abraham. And, and, and there is, come on, Jane. And for us to do this man like this, for his church to turn on him like that, to trash him like that, with all that he did, the sovereign that became a savior by becoming a human sacrifice for humanity. And you all, he don't care. He doesn't mind. It doesn't matter. Are you kidding me? It matters so much. He gave his life for you to be separated from devils, away from your idolatry, not serving fallen angels and gods and goddesses. All of that was why the man came. And you treat him and you sacrifice. That's what he means when he says to trample underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ. You crush his blood, shed for your sins. Listening to a devil telling you a lie. The very light that took that devil out. Let me tell you something. We can talk all day long about Christians and this and that. No, churches may be a problem. Christians, we are supreme. We are sublime. We are superior because we never, our spirit never, ever, ever fell. Our souls fell, and man became a living soul. Our spirits never fell. Because if they had, well, the tragedy, the tragedy that God alludes to, come on, prophets. Um, we, see, no, this is why people listen to Paul all night long. This is yeah. why they listen to him all day, all night. Brought lunch, brought dinner, brought the kids, brought the fam, brought a chair. Because the answers to life, Peter said, you alone have the words of eternal life. So now, Dr. Christ, that was really great. Now we know. But this here, the reason you can't fight for Jesus is because you can't fight for his record. You can't fight for his credibility. You can't fight for his, fight for his words. You can't fight for his book. You can't, and then you fight his true prophet. So who are who pinned this thing in the first place? You have God has criteria for for getting back into His world, and we're going to talk about that at a at a later a broadcast. But God has criteria. He has measurements, standards, all of the things that we think as Christians. Did you all bring coffee? Because I'm sipping that. You know, I worked hard. <laughs> She worked us hard. Uh, Tina Willis said, stick a fork in me. I'm done. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you let that devil rebuild him and treat him like what his work was a common thing. The only blood that was sinless enough to purge and to, to quarantine the law, sitting death on earth. 
the maker, the very blood that brought humanity into existence, literally was spilled on the earth and then sent to hell for you. So how is she born again? Don't you want to know? Yes. The Father sent his spirit back through the cosmos, through creation, into hell to rejoin his soul. And when that spirit came and rejoined his soul, the excellent spirit, remember the spirit of holiness, the excellence of that spirit healed his soul, changed it, and purged it of all death in hell. You don't know how many words. Yes. She's not going to walk it off. You got to go scream somewhere. She's not going to walk it off. I got you. So the Holy Spirit, before he came from Pentecost, had to rejoin Jesus. Kind of like the way the uh, Iron Man suit came through creation and came and rejoined this man. So. He is the body. God sent the, the Holy Spirit. Say, can I go now? Okay. After after being on my call, can I go now? No. Mm-hmm. Angels, well, is it coming now? No. Oh, my God. 39 strikes, nail prints. Okay. Can we go now? No. Taken down off the cross, wrapped up in the, the God. He came here, wrapped up in swapping clothes. They lay him in there, wrapped and swapping him all over again. The man is so completely scary. And they said, well, can we go? No. Jesus goes to hell. He's laying in the tomb. His body's laying in the tomb, not decaying. Yeah, see, that's the thing right there. Not decaying because the law of the spirit of life still works in that body. And so he's not decaying. And they go to hell, and Jesus is preaching the gospel. He got to tell everybody about what happened in heaven, Revelation 12. Got to tell them why all of this happened because of Revelation 12. Now, the apostles heard it, but probably not like John heard it before the, when Jesus shows up again. And he preaches the gospel, and he watches them one by one. And the faith that they held on to, even in hell, began to revive and revitalize them, began to quicken their mortal beings in hell. Oh, God, I got So in hell, they're being born again. Countless thousands of them being born again in hell, getting new souls from their new spirit. Because the Holy Ghost travels. See, you don't, people talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh -uh, Let me tell you about the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is leaving the very not even leaving, extending, because they don't have to separate. Separated from the throne of God and the Holy Spirit, and God is breathing him out, and he's going through the creation. He's going through universe after universe, saying up planet after planet after planet. He's not letting them know. Your time is up. He didn't just end the devil's lease on earth. He ended the devil's lease on every part of creation that he had expected. Come on! This man called Jesus your Christ. I mean, I need some music. I need mean, some I mean, I need some music. 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 So he's coming through. Because Job said even the, the stars 
are not pure in God's sight. So he's coming through, and he's coming through, and I mean, he's making his way through because he's getting ready to rejoin the Son of God to the Godhead. Because when he was on the cross, he said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? He said, but we're coming to rejoin you to the Godhead and everything in you. And when he does, that battered, bruised, bloody, perverted, deformed spirit comes to life again, receiving the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. <laughs> At the end of your faith. And he has reached the end of his faith for that mission. I'm going to drop this mic without breaking. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get you a plastic one. Look, nurse one. I do. I do. She needs a nurse, you know. So now, the, the Holy Ghost rejoins Jesus. Jesus, and, and what happens to Jesus, because he's the spirit of life, remember, and he is the, the father of the new birth, new creation. If any man has not his spirit, he's not a kid. So his spirit runs through earth, runs through hell, reviving. Beginning again, all of those people who died in faith for them. Because they can't get out of hell without his agility. <laughs> because they're prisoners. And they are righteous, just prisoners. God, but now it's time to get them out of jail. So he, and the reason they walk out is that that new creation, somebody hear me right now, that new creation is stronger than everything in hell. Nothing can hold it. We're talking about nothing can hold him. Nothing can hold them. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. That is a powerful thing because in hell, they had to be in Christ as new creatures. Can you imagine? It's pitch dark down there on Abraham's side. It's kind of nice. It's a little smoky. What do you call it? They had that kind of obscure you know, light, and here all of these people, Jesus and the eight and those who died in faith and on and on and on, and they're, and they're I mean, can you imagine? They're all sitting there with their little, you know, gray souls and, and, and just, you know, just languishing, but still waiting for God, because I believe they praised in hell. See, I believe they did, because God moves on praise. I believe they worshiped him in hell. And I believe that when they saw their Messiah, the devils may not have known why he showed up, but they could say, I know my Redeemer lives. Jesus! I'm telling you, don't mess with this man called Jesus. And they said, our Redeemer came to get us. And even they would not have known how spectacular that thing was going to be. But all of a sudden, he comes, and then he finished the gospel. He is, the Holy Ghost makes it in, joins his spirit. He is now the sovereign of sovereign, but he's got something new in him. He's got the genetics of Adam. Oh, my, my, my. All of those that were in him before the foundation of the world, that's the divine us. But all of us who were, oh, Shele Boca, that's the human us. Made that human divine right in Satan's face. He couldn't do a thing about it. Oh, oh. <laughs> 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 we need a commercial break. <laughs> 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 so all of that message to a message They can't talk to me. Don't talk to me about this gospel because this one thing, a good apostle. 
and a learned apostle, I will tell you this over and over again, but nobody told it like Paul. Nobody told it like Moses. Deuteronomy 32. Three and four. I want you to understand. So this man, all of these did, and after they're all lit up, lit up him. Probably the only light that was ever One shot. One shot. Massive light. And they all lit up. And as they're traveling to God, they're traveling through, because their spiritual soul cannot be physical, because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Can't make the trip. Can't make the trip. But as they're traveling, they are suddenly changed in the twinkling of an eye. And those new bodies are coming on. No, I know why you write right? Right. Go on. But this is why Christianity is not a world religion. This is why Christianity, in fact, is not a religion, but it's the redemption of citizens, eternal citizens, citizens who are the children, the offspring of the Godhead. There's nothing about the true Christianity that the Savior went to hell for. Is, is anywhere near resembles a religion, which is why the Jews got mad with them, which is also why that Paul kept getting beat up because there is nothing, nothing religious about this. It's like, it's like saying because a, a baby is born to a family, that they become, that baby becomes a philosophy, a, a theology, you know, a doctrine, a tradition. No, your birth doesn't make you a tradition. Your birth makes you a being. And we are the offspring of the Godhead. And we, you know, I, I listen to a lot of sermons. Yeah, y'all, that's right, y'all, the fourth person of the Godhead. No, you're right. We're not the fourth person because we've joined into the second person. And we abide in the third person. So you pray, I'm looking for the day that God, I, I, I pray for this so much. Because I'm looking for the day where the true saints of God get that whole Holy Ghost call and begin to worship wherever we are in the planet on God's cue. I promise you, the heavens will shake <laughs> and hell will back down and bow down. Because he couldn't keep us from leaving hell. And that's what we used to make. So here he got, he has all of these prisoners, all of these prisoners, prisoners of hope, prisoners of faith. And he, 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 you know, but even in hell, God separated his people. In hell, God always separates the righteous. He always separates the holy. He always separates the true, the sincere, the virtuous. Always. And in hell, he separated us in Abraham. Because we were in Abraham when God gave the promise. She said she think I can teach it. I love this man. I promise you, he is the awesome, almighty Jesus. And I love him for all of the things you just heard me say. I don't just love Jesus because he's, a, he's my faith. He's an experience. I love this man because he has shown us and written over and over again. He's just been waiting for somebody 
God loved the world, and he still does. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But understand, he loved the world. We still weren't in it. So loving is not enough. Oh. <laughs> Maybe our chief prophet got something to say. Everybody else froze. Oh, Lord, not if she was watching. No, not if she was watching. <laughs> wow. Ba, ba, ba. Yeah, there it is. I mean, this just continues to show us how we have truly limited the power of God. I mean, we really do believe that hell is on limits <laughs> to Christ. You know, that there's just places that he can't go. You know, places that now David said it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, now it's said so many times. But the belief that's taught is so contrary to what's written. Mm-hmm. And just to hear this synthesis, salvation synthesis. Uh, I mean, I need to go back and listen to this 10 times. This will be on a CD. Thank you. I can have Yeah.
some sort of a, I want to say conjuration of the of the mind that is can only be told by relics and things like that. You know, the mythics. You know, um, even the mystics. But God is mysterious, meaning that everything about Him is covered. Remember, we did that class on mystery, yes. and that His mysteries are not limited to spirituality or religion or rituals, but that they literally expand to include the totality of the of His creation and why He did what He did, how He keeps what He keeps, etc. Does that help? Yeah. But that was. Did you have another? Uh, no, we can't. We can go Okay. Well, I'll take a look and ask a question based on that. Mm-hmm. Because people have often had that challenge in the in um
one of the things that I know is that every time I would read, a, like I would get certain Bibles and he'd say, don't get that. That is not me. And I was like, but everybody likes it. Because, you know, when I was young, I kept telling it what everybody liked because I thought that happened. It didn't in flesh. And so he would say, that's not me. I'm not it. He would tell me. And so I asked him, I said, well, God, well, what Bibles should I get? And he picked out some Bibles for me. I, and he will tell me, this is one I watched over this. I authorized this one. I did not authorize that. I did not authorize that. Humans authorized that. And that's fine. You want to make it easy for the population, that's fine. But for those of us who have to carry this man's excerpts from his eternal realm, we don't get that privilege. Just like the attorney can't just bring any old constitution up in there. You know, you can't just bring any old precedent. You've got to go by what's in the archives, the precedent, and you have to get it in there in order for you to use it in an official or legal context. A lot of this stuff, they, these Bibles are for the English-speaking world. That's all they problem. A lot of them are based on English culture or Western culture. That's a problem. Yeah. Because God's culture is neither east nor west, north nor south. Before there was a east or west in earth, there was heaven. And heaven is the compass and the access. And you're going to have to get on God's compass and you're going to have to be on his access to understand his word and his situation. So if you, don't, if you start on earth, you're going to get earth. If you start in heaven, you're going to get heaven. So people, will, you will not know, which is why you can tell it all day long. Well, I can just read my Bible and understand it myself. Yeah, but you have carnal understanding of carnal uh, treatment of eternal things. You have to have Paul to be there. The apostles made it. I'm going to just say this and then I want to hear you. Um, but the apostles got it done because they sat with the very king, the very Jesus, the Messiah. He took them into conversation. He took them into experiences. Jews, how does Jews, Jews, Jesus' brother, probably one of the younger ones, how can he talk about that? what happened with the wandering stars except Jesus shared his memory? You keep thinking the Bible is a human experience, and it is not. The Bible, the scriptures, now the Bible means it, but the scriptures are not a human experience. They're the, the, the God has eternal experience with his creation. And the part of it that, 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 that literally drew the line between heaven and earth, between sin and righteousness, between devils and, 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 and angels, between the saints. And the, see, the Bible is that. It's, a, it's an amazing compass for you who want eternal life or you who want to prove it doesn't exist. She got blue on this. There's almost no white. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that something is everything. First of all, I, we're just, we're digesting this, okay? So, but you talked about today, um, which I think is so important, and I wanna, uh, I wanna bring this back out and ask you a question. You said Christianity is not a religion, but the redemption of its citizens. I just think that that's such a game changer. Um, you know what you're saying today about 
you know, defining our Christianity by our nature. You started with that, that we are one nation means one nature, right? Mm -hmm. So we are completely changing then the paradigm for what we consider Christianity, what it's been considered. My question is, is this the future? So in other words, you know, apostles are, they craft the, the, the next generation of God. They, yeah. You know, so in other words, are we moving towards this where, where it really, um, we start to be more defined by that DNA, if you will, and, and kind of, I know, I know we don't have a lot of time, but speak, speak to that just a little bit, because I think that you're catapulting us a little bit and opening up our eyes to what God is moving with and what the next wave of Christianity, Christianity will be, what will look like. Mm -hmm. I just wanted you to speak on that a little bit as a, you know, God. Take 
and they said stupid stuff like that. Hair strand, you know. And so you're talking about, see, the beauty of Christianity is that we don't have a pantheon. The beauty of Christianity is that we don't have a polytheistic um, spiritual world or deity. Our God is one. That's why it was a big deal for God to say to Israel, Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. One Lord, one God. But, and so then we go, and he's coming to the Gentiles. And as he's heading to the Gentiles, Ephesians, we are one Lord, one God, one Spirit, one God, one, 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 one. God's thing is one. And one is not the <laughs> In order to, one, to do that, you have to add another one, at which point we've got two. Now we can divide. So God, for us, keep going. Just don't look at us. It was really hard. Guys, I really wish you were in the studio. Don't look at us. They can't. This is like plastic, plastic, you name it. So understand that when someone starts to tell you there's God plus, that's idolatry. That's a pagan. That's a polytheist. That's a pantheon. Because God is one, and everything outside of God. And he says, he says it in Isaiah. He says, but you know, uh, there is no other God besides me. He says, I alone strung the heavens and the stars. I alone. And doesn't God were around when I, when I did it? And so he says, I am it. What I like about it is, I think it's Isaiah 44, 46, one of my favorite ones. If I get it wrong, some of y'all put it up on the screen for me. But he says, but you are my, my, my excuse me, you are my messenger. And you are my witnesses that I am God. You will only know God if he gets in you. Just like people, those people who, who, who um, channel those spirits, they know those spirits because those spirits are in them. We just have one. They need 55, 60, 90 spirits to do what our one Holy Ghost can do in fact. That's what makes us excellent. See, that's what makes us supreme. It's not what we do. You know, like Paul said, it's not what I did. But it is what he did, and I'm not going to ignore what he did to make you feel good about what I'm not. Mm. I love this one. And he knows it. I love our God. He is a sugar-fied Jesus. He is a honey man, and he's bold. And he, God's really fearless. First of all, God gives everything. And so when you think about making the difference, when, when, when the plus comes up, you need to please. When the, well, don't you think that, that there is something in everybody's religion? No. Satan came from God's world. He's going to have sufferings and sprinklings and sprinklings. We call it sprinklings of his world. Because right? he has nothing of his own. The only thing he took out of heaven of his own was the lie and murder. So you can take your lies and you can take your murder. But all of this other stuff that he's trying to resonate into the body of Christ, He's trying to use so that we get this hybrid. Hybrid is them. They need a hybrid because God strips them. God strips them. Did you want to say anything else? Did you want to say one more thing? And then yeah, talk about that. So that explains the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how, you know, when God did the Pentecost and Holy Ghost. But if they were stripped, that means they need that collective power of each individual spirit to make one, just one um, cosmic move 
that God revealed to you, obviously the totality being the author. Yeah. Um, if you never think about the fact that Satan's power had become that diluted. Yeah. The more people that God looked that came on the planet, the more, I mean, because we used up his, and that's a very good statement, but then you would make that statement, you know? And so, but, but the truth is, they need the one. Why do you think we are going pictures instead of words? Why do you think Google is pushing? Because each one of them want to be the one that pulls it back together again. Now, the sad part about it is because, see, a lot of us, we want to get nervous and all of that, and, and, and I've seen it a couple of times, and God said, I need you to know I'm God. He said, now, I've seen this before. He said, you all don't know the world that I drowned. Just something? Yes. He said, you don't know the world that I drowned. The flood took out a planet that thought it was like mine. He said, and I separated those devils from those human hosts. He said, and then I arrested those devils that were trying to do what I wasn't ready for them to do. So they're bound up at the river Euphrates, and they're bound up under the earth, and they're chained under God. So you have no idea. They, they, these people think it's the best thing. Uh-uh. God, there was a reason why they thought they could build a tower. They remembered it. Their fathers passed it on. Their parents passed it on. You know, there was once a time that, that the angels could come back and forth and they could do this, and if the sun turned or hit off, what do you think all these relic things are about? Well, we don't know. Two things. Tell me
operating on our vacated powers and potencies and are abdicated upon. And you abdicated because you, like anything else, the church ran its course and then you started sitting in boring churches with leaders who didn't know anything and the cover that they didn't know anything. They be, well, it's the truth. It took me 30 years to get this. This is not a foot down. I promise you, you, they were as many of them were as genuine as I am today. It took me 30 years of hibernation. This is hibernated doctrine. Hibernation. I had to go underground in, in order to do this. You know, as many of you all say, but if she so this, why we don't hear it? I had to get it. You know, you have to come off the scene to get pregnant. You don't get pregnant on the run. <laughs> so it took all of that. It takes to take that, and then it takes time to incubate, to gestate, and then to produce, and then to develop and, and mature. And so I had to do this. And so and God had explained this to me. He said, but I need you right. I need you to be able to answer my adversary. And he kept giving me a proverb that you may be able to answer with words of truth those who come to you. And so I had to come up with these answers. And they were, while I was in the cave, I wish I could say it was just me, all by myself, having a little paradise, a vacation. It wasn't. It was horrible. It was horrible. There was much pain, much embarrassment, much setback. And the, and the, the ruling lessons and the, the growing trainings and teachings of the Holy Ghost. God's hand was on me so heavy some days. I was like, Daniel, I can't get up. I, 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 you know. and, and, and he would do it. Even today, his hand has been on me for a week for this message. And when that, when that happens, it's very challenging. It's extremely, extremely difficult. But I do this because we have to stop losing the war. Because, see, this is a war of words. Apostles are ambassadors, and ambassadors have a war of words. And as long as we can keep talking, we can hold a lot of things at bay. But we need to be able to bring something to the table. We need to be able to bring the words to answers of truth. We need to be able to, to handle those enigmas that God talked about and to unfurl those mysteries that have become rolled up like the flag in a corner. We have to be able to do that. So, I know. I thank God for Facebook and, and, and all of these. I know they don't want to thank God for them, so I'm like, somebody needs to thank them. I'm going to set up one for <laughs> Facebook, YouTube. I thank God for these instruments because they are simply that. They're instruments. And these instruments enable me to give it to you to study it because to learn the gospel. Uh, my prayer is to be, you know, have a, a regular show. That is my prayer, that this can go out around the world and that it can go out in, in segments so that I don't have to cram it. I can give it to you recovering this piece and recovering that piece and whatever. But the biggest thing you need to know is that under our last current time, everything is about equipment. When you're under the apostle and apostolic era and apostleship move, everything is about equipment plus armament. Equals furnishment. Now remember that equipment plus armament equals furnishment. And so, and, and we're not outfit. I'm outfitting you for this. I'm, we're, I'm furnishing you with the outfits you need to take this thing for Jesus Christ. And so, I know it's complicated. I know it's difficult. But I really believe in my heart. I really believe. I, I know I'm going over, but I'm purposely. I already purpose in my heart that I would to him some things. But. I really believe in my heart 
confess the body of Christ is not as stupid as so many people want us to think. We got to give it to you like this. I got to give it to you in baby this. I got to give it to you in water drops. I got to give it to you in the eye drops. I got to give it to you like this. How insulting. Aren't you tired of being insulted? Aren't you tired of being demeaned and diminished? You hold down powerful jobs. You handle your life. You do trainings. You do some mighty things. But when it comes to the God that saved your soul, who walks and talks in you as you promised, all of a sudden you need nuggets, chips, slivers, drips. Come on. I think we're better than that. I think we're better than that. And I think it's time for them to meet the true Christian of Jesus Christ, the true new creation, that model that was born in the heart of the earth. It's time for them to meet us and to meet us as the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. And that's my prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to give today. So Rachel's putting the information on the screen for you. Um, Rachel, if you can put me the new text to give because I don't want that memorized just yet, but I'll have it for next week. Um, but we're going to give you the new text to give and then cash out is Dr. Paula. Dr. Paula Price, and then you can do paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. This is what, thank you. This is one of the most important parts of this program. The new text to give 918-203-6625. 918-203-6625. And say it one more time. 918-203-6625. It's a new text to give. If you were formerly using our old text to give number, we would like you to switch to this one. Powerful, powerful message today. Uh, well worth the seed. And two, so today because we want this to multiply. We need this to multiply. We need to be able to get this out to more people. So so today for that reason and all the three ways to give are on your screen. Well, I'm saying about the court. Go ahead. I, I know you have some. Uh, also, if you are, um, and you guys can tell me the best way to do it, but if you do want to be a supporter of the show, we are getting this on the air we have been um, uh, have a lot of uh, stations and networks that are lined up that really do want to have this type of broadcasting, but we cannot do it obviously all for free. We need your support. We need your help. Many of you have uh, uh, explained and, and decreed and declared that this should be everywhere. This Dr. Price should be global. If you believe in that global mandate and want us to take the media, take the airway, I want you to reach out to us. Can they do that just through our? Um, websites and, and, and text and all of that. Okay. So just go ahead and email us and contact us. I'm not sure which is the best one uh, to, to announce here today. Uh, to the contact page on our website. Okay. The contact page on our website is www.drpaulaprice.com. www.drpaulaprice.com. Reach out to us and say, I want to be a part of the media campaign because we want to reach out to you, and it's going to take us collectively coming together. You may not be able to replicate the words and the knowledge that she just espoused here today, but your donation, your support can help get it there. So what we can't do in Revelation, we can do with the treasure of our heart, and that is through our, our money and all of those things. So I want to invite you to really consider that today. And contact if they have connections. And, yes, and if you have contacts and connections and, 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 and uh, uh, media outlets that you want Dr. Price to be on and know she should be on, also include that when you reach out to us on the website and send in that information. She's the one that's doing all of the production. Yes. Let us know. 
Um, sometimes people recently discovered connections that they had, and it just didn't even really cross their minds that that particular outlet might be something we're interested in as well. So don't just think about the obvious Christian ones. We probably already thought of them and have reached out to them. But any connection that you have anywhere, and that includes magazines and articles. We want to get Dr. Price's writings into different places, universities and schools. Let us know whatever connections you have that are credible. Sure they will. Let us know. <laughs> do we have a young apostle coming up? Do we have a final close remark on today? Ooh. I tell you what, this message today is the reason apostles need to be trained. I don't know one person who could have done this outside of this one right here. And this is our job. As apostles, this is at 2618. This is opening our eyes, trying to answer darkness to life and the power of Satan. We're seeing here the power of Satan and how it has gripped yes. the body of Christ and empowered and filled the world agenda. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this, this I, I, I'm already writing this in the curriculum. <laughs> uh, even to close out this semester for my students, because this right here is the living example of what we're talking about with contemporary apostleship, because contemporary apostleship is not about doing a new thing as, as far as inventing something new. It's about going back to the truth of who Jesus Christ is to open up a new era mm-hmm. for him. Ooh, perfect. How about you as prophet, particularly prophet in this generation? Yeah, I'm thinking today as you were speaking, I said, wow, God, this level, this caliber of knowledge is really going to start distinguishing who really are the churches of God versus <clears throat> who, who are not, who are perpetuating or imposing, rather, that's what I meant to say, opposing uh, as the churches. I think that especially for prophets, it's important that we understand the message in God's mouth, what he really wants to say right now. Um, we need this. We need this information. We need to share this. You need to be getting these quotes up there because there's a whole other side of Christianity that we're not hearing. We're hearing a lot of recycled messages. We're hearing a lot of things where we're getting caught up in just things that don't matter. When we hear, when I hear a message like today, I'm sitting there thinking that this is what matters. This is what we need to be talking about. This is the level of information we need to be knowing. And when I hear it, I recognize the, the campaign against Christians is that we never know this, that we never talk about this, that we never go to this place of, of information so that we never really understand who we are. So, and I, I remember being a young person, that's what drew me here, was that it was, there were things being said that I had never considered. It was just a whole other side of God that I wasn't introduced to. And so I think it's really powerful and important for us as prophets in this generation. This is why prophets need to be paired with apostles. This is why we need each other. Um, and we need to understand that. And why you've even uh, taught before that contemporary prophets, that we cannot do our job without apostles, this is why. Because we have to understand what God is actually running with so that we know as prophets what to proclaim. So this is really powerful. Uh, today was just Okay, so make sure that you're sharing this, hit this share, and then go back after this and start a watch party so that people can watch it again and again. How about this? Well, I'm going to post it on the page for when they work because I think it dovetails off of what we talked about yesterday. We kind of did the first half of the show. We just asked people to list the types of things that they had heard about Christianity over their 20, 30 years of being saved, and we you know, we're able to see just from that, that smattering or take uh, a statistics that we could get from our metrics, I would say, from that group, that what Prophet is saying is so true, the campaign against the truth about who we are, to uh, go back to something you said earlier, 
anesthetize or even nullify our power in the planet and God's power in the planet. And I think it goes back to um, what you said last Sunday. We've got to stop preaching his narrative. And most of us don't know that that's what it is because this is being concealed. This is being hidden. And, you know, us doing this series on Prophet Circle about the false prophet and realizing that prophets are are literally prophesying falsely because we are hiding with God's enemy and adversaries because we don't have the revelation and the insight of the truth, which is why us being paired with apostleship, you need the, the, that, that present tense word, that, what they call that rhema moment, but that has to be paired yeah. with that, that legislative, that governmental historical foundation mm-hmm. that literally grounds what God is doing right now. I think a lot of prophets are picking this up in dreams and visions and no biblical articulation. Mm-hmm. And some people are even being shut down and told to be quiet about speaking on this wife because we can't do this, like you said, that womb. Mm-hmm. I love that hyphenated okay. research and revelation to literally root and ground what God wants to say to this generation. It's the time. This is the message of the new era. It is. It's the message of the dispensation because the church, the real church of the Lord Jesus Christ, has to be empowered. Yeah. We cannot have the, the messages of the puny and all of that. Those are false messages to, I mean, literally false messaging going out to the body of Christ to depower us, make us feel like we're weak, we're, we are not, we're only human, we're imperfect. You said a lot of some things back to that. All of that depowering us and that message of depowerment, we know that that can only be coming from the channels and the communications of darkness. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's very good. We're going to come back on just discussing this. Oh, I don't need that. Yeah. Okay. I've got my own. We're going to come back discussing this, and, and, and you know what? We're going to get your points of view as well, because you all have been part of that old and new and the transition from what, what God did, because there was a, 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 in our past, there was a present truth. Yeah. In our past, there was a present truth, but now in this experience, this era, yes. there is the next chapter of that present truth. Because nothing God does in a single era is, is all-encompassing yes. or that comprehensive. There's always going to be another chapter in huh. the disclosures of the Almighty. So we're going to talk about that a little later on. I know I went over, but since some of you all will just come back and listen if that's what you want to do. But I want you to do me a big favor, share. Yeah. Share, share, share. And I like her. Watch party. Is that yeah, watch, watch party. All right? But get a bunch of people because you know what? If when you do, I promise you, you're going to get on the phone later, have a conference, because y'all going to burn up the wire. It's just going to burn it up, because all of us must assimilate this. We must get it in us. I could teach this because of my hibernation incubation in the cave. In the cave. I was David in the cave of Ajalam. All caves up. But I was able to do this, and if you notice, I gave you one or two slides. I preached the gospel out of my spirit and my soul, because that's how Jesus preached. Why don't you uh, go to ChristUniversity.org and find out if you can be one of those who do so. Until then, we'll see you Sunday at at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. Have a great weekend. Thank you, George. Have a great weekend.